Infinite Horrors Podcast. It all comes back to mommy issues. <laughs> Moms. Without them, we would have no horror movies. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Hello, Sam. Hey, Maya, what's good? A lot of things, but not my watching of Terrifier 2. (laughs) I gotta agree with you there. This particular episode was a bit of a journey for me. (laughs) I'm genuinely kind of surprised you brought it up as a topic like a few months back, because I didn't think that this is your type of movie. Well, the first one, and we'll get into this, but I do like the original Terrifier film, and I don't think the short film's too shabby either. But we'll get into the second one. I don't mind the short films themselves. I do very much mind All Hallows' Eve. And yeah, I agree. I like the reason that I was interested in Terrifier and Art the Clown is because I offhandedly just watched Terrifier at some point and I was just like, oh, this is better than I thought it was going to be. Well, that's the same reaction I had. You know, it really leans into that like schlocky, gore-fest, 80s aesthetic. But but I think what I appreciated most of it is how it really does replicate that aesthetic perfectly, which I thought was pretty cool. That's very much Damien Leone's influence, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think a good way to start off is just acknowledging how low budget these movies are. Yeah. Terrifier 1 only had a budget of like 35 grand and brought in many times that, but more impressive is Terrifier 2, which had a quarter million and brought in like 13 million in the box office almost. Yeah, with real minimal mainstream marketing tactics. It was really like a word of mouth situation, mostly based off of just its shock value and how that spread and certainly got its popularity up. I mean, I feel like a lot of movies like this have classic like, oh, people threw up and ran out the theater at the premiere. And that always- I mean, we talked about it a little bit at Psycho and all those things, right? Right, exactly. It drums up attention for a movie, you know? And, you know, Damien Leone does all of the practical effects himself, actually. Like, this is really a assisted one-man show. Damien does a lot of the editing. He does the filming- He does the costumes, the makeup, the practical effects, some of the Foley work, like re-recording audio to kind of build atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So he really does a lot of heavy lifting. And it's very clear that this is a passion project for him. Before we get too far into analyzing these movies, as silly as it is to analyze very goofy movies, I do have a question for you. Yes. Do you prefer Mike or David's Art the Clown? Oh, I'm a David fan. Me too. I am. I think Mike is great. He's art in the shorts, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was the original Art the Clown. Right. I don't know how far prosthetics goes in this, but like David's got the more angular face. This is true. Also, there's just more screen time. So who knows if Mike would step up to the bat with more opportunity. But I was thinking, uh, he's just a good clown. (laughs) He makes a good scary clown. The silence of it, it's kind of like a weird killer mime almost. It's like, and it made me think like, are all mimes clowns, but not clowns minds, like squares and rectangles? There's actually a lot of history that goes into clowning. Hmm. um, And that's very separate from silent performers like mimes. Sure. So I would separate them very entirely. Okay. Um, Yeah. Well, I, I know very little about, well, I did some research into like 
the history of clown portrayals in film and and opera and plays and such. Did I ever tell you that one of my favorite horror, like goofy horror films is Stitches with Ross Noble, who's a great comedian? Yes. So I have heard of Stitches, though I've never seen Stitches. You should. Honestly, as much as I appreciate the Terrifier series... And I understand that Damien is trying to make like a really lighthearted, like heavy gore fest film. I would say that Stitches does what he's trying to do better, Hmm. wherein they build better lore right off the bat and it's very coherent and it makes sense. And then also you do get like shock value kills. Yes. Like one of the more notable ones from Stitches is uh, Stitches the Clown taking an air pump for balloons and like sticking in the back of a kid's head and blowing up his head. <laughs> like it's, it's goofy. And I think that's what Damien is kind of going for, but he kind of like misses slightly. Yeah. There's not much of like a clownishness to his murders. No. And I appreciate it though. Like I, I don't think it should be going in that direction, which is a big reason that I'm not the biggest fan of Terrifier 2. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of worried initially because I, I was following Damien and David as soon as I watched Terrifier 1. So I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I like the work they're doing. I want to kind of see them grow. And I feel like there was an attempt to do too much in Terrifier 2 mm-hmm. that ruins a lot of what was effective in Terrifier 1. Specifically, my first inkling of this isn't going to be good is when Damien was very staunchly saying as he was writing and preparing for Terrifier 2 that art is getting a backstory, art is getting lore. Uh, Yeah, no thank you. (laughs) Well, I don't know if you would agree with me, but I really think that one of the most effective parts of art is that we don't know anything about art as a character. Yes. Well, the first movie in particular, there's very little to say of plot. You know, I mean, you know, things happen, but it's not, you know, it's mostly just the main character running away and people getting killed all around her. You know what I mean? And then, and then her sister coming and it's, it's not like the most complex movie by any means. And a big part of that is like, they don't, absolutely they not. never get into yeah. uh, art's motivations. It's funny you like bring that up too, because Terrifier 1, 2016 has three in memory credits and it is to Wes Craven, Toby Hooper and George Romero. And it's very clear what Damien's influences are. Like you can li- watch Terrifier 1 and 2 and go, oh, this is a direct call to like this movie, right? right. But like, for example, if we're going to go through Wes Craven's big movies, Scream, the final girl archetype that fights back. Mm-hmm. Also, probably just a coincidence that like both protagonists are going to be like brown haired. But like, I think it's funny that it's down to that detail. Right. People under the stairs. Another fucked up set that you need to fight through with psychosexual themes. Mm. Uh, The hills have eyes. A car breaks down, leading to an overkill killer. Last house on the left, two girls that get stuck in a house and get brutalized, right? Uh It's very clear that Damien draws from Wes Craven's history. And this is very much like watching an extreme horror fan be like, you know what? I like building practical effects. I like gore. I'm going to mishmash a bunch of my favorite slashers together. But unfortunately, like, I just don't think Damien has the writing and editing skills to produce something that's like, a good movie. (laughs) So you have to take it with a grain of salt. Well, good being relative here, right? Like, I think the first movie in particular, I would call like a good horror movie, just in the fact that it's very self-aware. They keep it short. (laughs) Like when you mentioned the first thing that made you notice this was going to be a bad movie about the second one, the first thing that made me think, 
the second movie's not going to be great was when I saw the oh runtime at Absolutely. two hours and 15 minutes. That's when I said, oh boy. <laughs> and as much as I understand that Damien in every single one of his interviews says, you know, we want this to be a fantasy. And, you know, it's very clear that that aspect of it is based off of Nightmare on Elm Street with Freddy Krueger being a dream supernatural killer that can like affect the real world. Right. And that's like heavily relied on in Terrifier 2. And like you watch it and you go, oh, this is this is discount Freddy Krueger, which is like (laughs) kind of a shame because I think Art the Clown is a very strong concept that could be worked better. Mm -hmm. But the fantasy element gets leaned into so hard, it becomes cheesy to me. And cheesy in like a, oh God, why type of way. Like this went from having fun to just, I am questioning every choice you're making with the magical sword thing that happened well so that i i hate that from what i read the whole idea of the heroine being this battle angel who like enacts revenge on her tormentor that was supposed to be a different movie really completely separate from art the clown and uh for one reason or another that movie never came to be and so he incorporated that lost idea into the terrifier too so it does very much feel just thrown in there (laughs) Like, to your point, the budget Freddy Krueger stuff, the whole dream sequence in the second one that's like a TV's kids set lasted forever, and the song was super annoying, going to the clown cafe and whatever. Yeah. Whatever the fuck. No, I agree. But this is what I mean by, like, I don't think Damien has the skills to put together a good movie in the sort of fundamental sense. Especially if you look at um, All Hallows' Eve, which was the way that he tied in all of those Art the Clown shorts. Right. It actually made the shorts themselves a lot weaker because it pulled you out of the immersion. The film overlay editing was weird. The lighting was really, really bad. Like, just really fundamentally poor lighting decisions and set design decisions. Mm -hmm. The sound editing was really strange and didn't really make sense at a lot of points. Didn't work. And, like, was very poorly mixed. Right. The way things were tied together had very unnatural dialogue, didn't really make sense. So it ended up being a much weaker film than it if you just presented them in an anthology of sorts, because the shorts themselves are not the best. They have a student film quality to them, but they're still entertaining and they still present an interesting idea of these small snippets of Art the Clown. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, I I watched the shorts not as All Hallows' Eve, but I watched them separately, or at least two of them, the ones I was able to find online. The one I actually kind of appreciated is the third short, in All Hallows' Eve, it's the one that starts at the gas station. Yeah. Of the three, I think that's the strongest for me. It's 20 minutes long, which for a short film is like really pressing the limits of my attention span. But it's good. Great practical effects when she walks back into the garage and Art is sawing the dude's head off. Mm-hmm. I mean, for for someone who, to your point, like maybe he's not perhaps the greatest writer, but he's a killer practical effects artist. Absolutely. makeup artist. Yeah, so that's why I think it's such a, despite its failings, despite its very clear shortcomings, Terrifier with Damien, because it is Damien's passion project, really shines with its low budget practical effects because Damien is a very skilled practical effects artist. One of my favorite little things is like, he loves the 
kill scene of the girl in Terrifier 2 with the one who opens the door to Art the Clown to trick-or-treating. Yes. For anyone who hasn't watched it yet, she gets essentially like slowly torn apart, gets propped up on the bed and is just like completely brutalized and mutilated. And Damien actually references a photo of a uh, Jack the Ripper killing of um, Mary Kelly, I think is who I'm thinking of. But she was so mutilated that like she wasn't really very recognizable and she also had her intestines kind of taken out in a very similar way and the way that they achieve the animation of the face is they have a practical effect that they then cast digital effects over to imprint the actors faces on top of the practical effect Mm -hmm. which i think is really well done because you're not overdoing it And Damien actually cites Guillermo del Toro as the influence for that sort of style of special effects, which I think is really cool. One of the best things about it is just his skill, because, you know, if you listen to our Hellraiser 2021 criticisms, (laughs) a large part of that criticism was how much the digital additions overprinted the practical effects, you know, and this is a good example of doing just enough to enhance the practical work being done without overshadowing it you know yes a lot of the kills and stuff in these movies moved me far more than any of the shit you see in hellraiser 2 i mean the kills in these series are intense (laughs) they're so good he is a good slasher maker i don't get freaked out by a lot of stuff and I don't think anyone really did throw up and go crazy or anything because, you know, I'm pretty sure that is a lot of like hyperbole for marketing and like media attention, but it did make me wince a little bit uh, uh, yeah. and go, oh my well, God. In the first movie, that poor woman who's hung upside down and then- The hacksaw! I love the hacksaw. Just, well, he uses the saw quite a bit. <laughs> That's actually inspired by medieval torture. Oh, I That bet. was a medieval torture method. Oh, What's your favorite medieval torture method? I really like the Chinese history of military technology, but also torture technology. Not that I think it's a good thing, but just I find it interesting. There are two things that I really, really like. One is the really slow and painful process of tying someone to a bench and allowing a bamboo shoot to grow through them. Oh, man, that's great. Military (laughs) technology of the flying discus with the string that you could throw over someone's head, pull the string, and it would decapitate them into a bag that you could then retrieve. Very nice. Kind of had some cool things going on. Mm -hmm. What about you? Well, there's a few. I mean, I'm a big fan of, big fan of, God, listen to me. Um, We're terrible people. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) No, but uh, I think it was the, it's called The Boats. Have you ever heard of it? No. It's where I could have been the Neo-Assyrians, but what would happen is the, the victim would be put in between two boats, one turned upside down. So it's kind of like they look like a turtle. So their their limbs would be outside, their legs would be outside, and then your head would be sticking out. But the rest of your body is essentially encased in a wood sarcophagus. And what happens is they feed you a mixture of milk and honey until you're filling this boat that you're trapped in with shit and, and all this and then the bugs come and eat you alive inside this boat. Jesus. <laughs> and apparently it would take, you know, this this would obviously take 
days to finish you off. So there's that. That sticks with me. Humans are horrifying. Another one that stuck with me is this was a more medieval one where you were placed on top of essentially a pyramid with two weights tied to each leg. And they just, you know, slowly put more weights on each side and you were split in two just by the force of gravity. Jesus. I know. Well, we know that Damien likes to listen to anyone talking about his work, right? Mm -hmm. So Damien, if you're listening, we would love to see some more medieval torture in your future works with Terrifier, you know, drawing and quartering, all of that. Let's, let's see it. Breaking upon the wheel, you know? Oh yeah. (laughs) All all of it. We're here for it, Damien. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We criticize you with love. (laughs) I could talk about torture forever. (laughs) Apparently we're in good company, right? Like Damien's also into really macabre like history and photos and images. So, I mean, it's interesting. Human brutality is interesting because it feels alien Mm -hmm. if you're not the type of person who would look at a human and go, yeah, I'd love to flay the flesh off their body. That seems like a good thing that won't psychologically affect me. That's to me an alien concept, right? Like I can't think of that ever being something I could do. So it is interesting to get into. You know, to that point, what do you think the appeal is of these incredibly gory, violent movies? Why do people like that so much? Like Eli Roth films, the kind of hardcore French early aught extremism. What is it about these really intense, gory movies that you think attracts? Shock and thrill. We like being confronted with the worst parts of ourselves. It's a way to be put in a position to confront the horrors of humanity without seriously having to think about it, right? Mm. Things like Hostel and other crazy movies at the same time that those types of atrocities do occur in real life. But, you know, it's easier to think about them in a fantasy sense. Mm -hmm. So we like to be thrilled by the idea than think about the reality and the horror of it, right? Sure. It's adrenaline. You want to, like, test yourself. You want to see the horrors of humanity without any consequences, right? Oh, I like that idea. Like, how far can you push your input, what you're seeing? Exactly. Oh, man. I mean, Terrifier goes pretty far. I've seen worse. There are like worse movies psychologically, but I think just viscerally, Terrifier 2 and Terrifier 1 are pretty high up there. Yeah, again, I don't get freaked out easily. And like, I don't really get much of a visceral response to gore in films. It's usually like, oh, that's cool. I wonder how they did that practical effect. That's interesting. Wow, that looks really good. And I've noticed watching that, Damien has a very intense focus on overkill Mm -hmm. and really likes overkill Mm -hmm. and mentions it in several interviews that he does because apparently this is a very conscious attempt to portray overkill. Mm -hmm. And I find that interesting. You know, he was named after the character from The Omen. Uh, So I I think growing up in that and like constantly consuming that kind of content, you're going to want to try and push the limits. I think that that's just kind of how the evolution of these things works. Like we we're here now, what's the next place we can take Mm -hmm. it? And I think that's kind of how Eli Roth also works, right? Oh man, yeah. His film Green Inferno was him being like, let me take Cannibal Holocaust and turn it up to 11. 
You know what I oh mean? Oh my god! I don't even want to. I see mean, it. I don't think I don't think any real animals were killed like they were in Cannibal Holocaust. But Green Inferno's got some really horrible shit. <laughs> I remember I had my old roommate watch it with me, and after the movie was done, he just was like, "Why did you do this?" <laughs> it's fun though. I mean these these hyper gory movies are not for everybody, obviously. But I think the first Terrifier. It's a solid 45 minutes, if not more, shorter than the second one. And I don't know, it scratches an itch, (laughs) so to speak. Yeah, it's interesting because of the practical effects done. The final girls or, you know, victims generally fight back, which is good. It's nice to see you get really interesting fights. I don't know if I love... Well, I I guess this is a good way to get into Art the Clown as a thing, right? Because you can't really call Art a person. But Art the Clown, if you are not familiar, I don't know how you wouldn't be at this point, is a black and white clown who has a penchant for smearing his bloody feces on walls Mm. and violently murdering people of all kinds, but particularly women. And he tends to silently harass and stalk his targets and then fixates on them and then goes after them and overkills them and does it laughing. He can't die. He has been repeatedly stabbed and then rises from the dead oh, to man, keep like, killing. At least stabbed, right? Like he gets, oh, yeah. a, and worse. gets like a nail <laughs> board slammed in the back of his head in the second movie. Yeah. Not, I mean, you know, spoiler alert. Like <laughs> he gets... He gets decapitated, and then his head is birthed from this mutilated woman. Who's his only surviving victim. Right. Uh, Some incredible (laughs) post-credits scenes there that Marvel should take note of. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting to kind of explore the limits of Art the Clown's lore, but I think the lore is really confused right now. Mm -hmm. And I don't really love the direction it's heading, right? Because in my opinion, the most effective part of Art the Clown is that it is a silent, motiveless killer that has no origin, has no pattern, and has nothing but a love of intense overkill and death. Mm -hmm. And just that existing is so terrifying because it is the definition of inhumanity, right? Like, that's what makes it effective and terrifying. And it kind of feels like a cop-out to just kind of be like, yeah, you can slow him down, but he's just going to keep getting back up again. Or like, you know, so I'm sure that Damien in the future will like maybe develop the lore to kind of be like, well, this is what he is and how you can kill him. Because in um, Terrifier 2, we get the addition of a second entity that is apparently like semi-corporeal like it can only be seen sometimes by some people but looks like art the clown but little girl and has a little bit different power and like can talk yeah but only mimic voices so like i made i made a list i'm like wow terrifier 2 really introduced a lot of questions with this little girl and that's some of them and like it's like why do they look the same why was art surprised to see her and like, why do her eyes change? And what are all these things? And like, why can the little brother see her? Yeah. And why can't the person in the laundromat yeah. see her, but can see art? If they're meant to look the same because they're a similar or the same kind of entity, then like, 
you know, what's going on. Like, I understand the introduction of the lore, but there's too little explained and too much introduced for the runtime to be coherent and make sense. Uh It's very clear, right, that Damien loves Halloween because this is the same kind of energy as Halloween. You have like oh, it's a near a, a the first movie is like a near carbon copy of Halloween. Oh, it kind of is. Know? Yeah, it's. I would say that you know the concept of an inhuman slasher is a little bit more effective than the original Halloween concept because Halloween humanized its killer. Right, like you get the backstory, you get that it's a human being that has trauma and then like later gets developed into a supernatural force, right? What that makes me think about is how in the first Halloween, the killer is credited as the shape, right? Yeah, that's really cool. I think that speaks to your point where it's like, it's not even a human. It's not even, you know, this, this killing force is not anything we could begin to understand. Yeah, but like that's a feeling that you need to kind of work towards understanding, right? Like I would say that the reason I mentioned that I I think art might be slightly immediately stronger is because the immediate sense is you have no idea who this is, what they want, or why they want to hurt you, but it's scary. Right. And it's like immediately recognizable as inhuman. Today's episode of the Infinite Horrors podcast is brought to you by Exalted Funeral, the one-stop shop for all your imaginative needs. At Exalted Funeral, you can pick up the latest issue of Infinite Worlds, Infinite Horrors, or any other zines available to satisfy your otherworldly and gruesome desires. Yes, and for all you tabletop adventurers tuning in, take your next campaign to the darkest reaches of the mind with Exalted Funeral's rich variety of dark fantasy, horror, and occult-based scenarios. And don't forget to check out their merch. Make your outsides as weird as your insides with their selection of shirts, sweaters, and even custom dice. All this and more can be found at exaltedfuneral.com. Follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Exalted Funeral, all one word. And be sure to sign on to their mailing list to stay up to date on new releases, restocks, and other news. Thanks again to Exalted Funeral for sponsoring this episode. Another question going into it I had was, why does the dad keep drawing images of art and his kills? Because because yeah. Terrifier 2 picks up exactly at the end of Terrifier 1. Mm-hmm. So the, the events are happening like right next to each other. And I thought we were going into territory of like, oh, no, the dad died and then like became Art the Clown as an entity or like, you know, was later possessed and that's what's happening. But like, it doesn't really seem like that. So I'm not really sure what's happening. I don't really understand the importance of it. And it kind of sucks that like you have to wait for more movies to get the idea of the lore. Well, the third one is in development right now. Yeah, Um, I know. (laughs) And he um, he mentioned that he's looking to make it more along the lines of the original Terrifier short, he says, uh, like more brooding, menacing tone to it more like sustained dread as opposed to bright flashes of ultraviolence all over the place. I just got so desensitized at the, by the end of it. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's fair. I, but I also will note that between all Hallows Eve and Terrifier one, it's very clear that Damien learned a lot 
about white balance and setting up shots, building atmosphere, Mm -hmm. and the editing got slightly better, wasn't great. The writing didn't really get all that better. But you can see that he learned a lot between making those two films. And then I feel like he didn't really learn a lot from Terrifier 1 going into Terrifier 2, because I think the quality really dipped. And I understand that like he's doing all this work by himself, basically, right? But I was really expecting to see a much stronger, coherent product given his trajectory of improvement. So I'm, I am interested to look at sort of the technical aspects of what he does in the future to see if any of that changes. Oh, I hope not. You know, I really hope <laughs> it stays low budget. It breeds ingenuity having a lack of resources, you know, so. Well, it's it's very clear that the majority of his time and energy goes into the practical effects, and I do love right. that. Uh-huh. But it is painful to sit through Terrifier 2 <laughs> and all of the bits that aren't just the, like, really cool practical effects. I, I just, like, there were no, the only really redeeming characters in the second Terrifier were Sienna, the main character, and her little brother. But her little, br- I mean... I have a lot to say about the little brother because so I the, floppy armed, long limbed brother. He's a very gangly boy. <laughs> like the thing is, is like they touched on something about the little brother that I really thought they were going to embellish on in the movie. And it's the fact that as someone who went through and is currently still in the really macabre and ghoulish phase, you know, where like, I remember when I was a kid and first learned what the Holocaust was and learned how horrible humans can be to each other. And I did like a super deep dive into all this gritty, awful shit. And like, I was the one looking up serial killers on my computer at 12 years old when I had to do an art project at school. And I decided to do a Stephen King themed one. I got sent to the school therapist. There's a lot of kids who go through these sort of phases and embrace the darker elements of life and kind of like revel in them. And I thought that was going to play in thematically with how come he's able to see the girl and stuff. Like maybe that darkness in him is the window that allows him to see the more supernatural elements of this movie. I agree. I think Damien's current place is he has a lot of interesting buds of an idea that he just doesn't fully develop to the extent that they could be developed, right? Yeah. And that's kind of indicative of that. Mm -hmm. And like her apparent friend who would just slip her MDMA without her knowing. Which is so fucked up. Also, the fact that you would be rolling on Molly the entire time you're fighting this killer. Can you imagine? (laughs) That's insane. That's an insane concept. I I really wish it was more like that. Like if you wanted to play into like the fantasy goofy element, show us what it would look like with like added effects of of going through this haunted house rolling on Molly, right? Like totally. do something a little bit more with that. Like I was kind of sad that it seemed like that aspect of her character at the moment was lost because you're not just going to wake up out of it even if you're like pumping full of adrenaline. Right. I will also note that one of the most coherent things that happens, and I know I kind of started talking about this already, is that Art the Clown has mommy issues. Ooh. (laughs) That's like the only really big thing that we've consistently gotten in the shorts in both movies, right? Mm -hmm. Like it is hinted at in the shorts, clearly shown in Terrifier 1, and then continued in his targets in in Terrifier 2. But Art the Clown in the shorts goes after women. He fixates and teases and harasses women, right. gets them on edge, 
and then plays cat and mouse. Yeah. And there are male victims, but they're just like kind of collateral they're damage. Quick. They're, they just they're like quick get in the brutal. way of him at his yeah. female target. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Which is what I'm trying to distinguish here. So thank you. Mm-hmm. In the shorts, slowly sacrificed women to the devil in a Rosemary's baby kind of situation and then cuts off all of their limbs slowly and then carves obscenities that are around female sexuality mm-hmm. or feminine sexuality into their flesh and thinks that's hilarious. So he's like very fixated on feminine sexuality mm-hmm. And it's a big driver for kills. <laughs> and it's like a very strong theme. And in the All Hallows Eve ring aspect, that kind of like, oh, he can come through your TV uh, kind of thing. <laughs> he fixates on the babysitter. Again, we know that Damien loves Halloween as a series. But then in Terrifier 1, you know, we see the same thing. He's targeting women. He's harassing women. We have a naked woman hung upside down who is cut from the vagina upwards, which is a very violent, you know, and suggestively sexual act, Mm -hmm. right? But then we meet this, I suppose, schizophrenic homeless woman who lives in this building, right? Who has her fake child, Emily. Oh my gosh, yeah. And then she freaks out because Art has the baby doll, but then he skins her scalp and her breasts and wears them naked so he puts on her scalp and and therefore her hair like a wig Mm -hmm. and then wears her breasts and walks around and it's it's very much something freud would be salivating to dig into right absolutely and to me point back to the same themes that we would see better developed in psycho right right but very clearly has mommy issues has like issues with this nurturing quality of a woman and has a weird fixation on women and their sexuality and their maternal instincts. And then we see him also carve or write the same sort of obscenities around feminine sexuality on another main character as like a throwback to that one short in one of the movies. So like, this is a very repetitive theme that is very heavily featured. Yeah, I mean, and the mutilated character in the post credit scene at the end of two, she yeah. she writes them all over the place in her menstrual yes. blood, and that's kind of yep. what instigates her giving birth to his severed head. <laughs> Which is another bastardization of motherhood. So it's another tie back to like oh, man, this weird yeah. subversion of eternal bonding, right? With child. <laughs> I am interested to see what a supernatural inhuman creature has to do with mommy issues. Like, how how does this thing have mommy issues? What is this? <laughs> it's weird. It's interesting. I find that very interesting. Totally. And that's something I'm hoping to see develop. So, Damien, if you're listening, <laughs> I want to see you write it. I want to see what happens. So, this movie came out in 2016. When I see a movie, I try and think like, so what was happening around then that kind of maybe influenced whoever made this movie to write what they did? And I looked it up. And do you remember in 2016, the clown craze? Oh, yeah. Do you remember I told you about it last time we we got together to talk? We Oh, you did. For Silent Night, Deadly Night. I was like, oh, yeah, if this happened, we'd see a bunch of killer Santas on TikTok. That's right. (laughs) Oh, my God. My bad. Of course. No, no, no. It happens. That's that kind of collective clown 
fear. <laughs> and like, I, I remember like people were arrested for it. I'm from Pennsylvania and it was like big news that a ton of Penn State students took to the streets looking for clowns to like apprehend. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's funny. I mean, I wonder outside of like, you know, this movie is very much like a horror film written by a super fan of horror films. Mm -hmm. But I wonder, I wonder what personal experience or thoughts went into this movie. If you try and see like works of art as psychological reflections of the creator's mind, like what's going on with this oh, yeah. dude? Damien does not hide them. It is He he really just <laughs> plasters them, right? Like he doesn't hide any of his influences or like callbacks to his favorite slashers at all. Mm -hmm. I, I could point out like one every few minutes. It's really funny. But I would like to speculate on two two counts, right? One the subversion of something joyful like a clown that does creep out children naturally is always going to be enticing to kind of include in a film and like bastardize it and like have right. fun with it, right? Second cool of all, I think that's the fear of clowns. That that's sounds like right. Yeah. Yeah. And then secondarily, there's also the fact that clowns have a painted face that typically depicts a very exaggerated expression. And if you have something painted over your face to exaggerate an expression, it's going to be hard to tell what your actual facial expression is. Oh, man, yeah. Which then makes it harder to discern your motive and your body language, which makes it hard to figure out what you're trying to do and what you're about. Right. Which painted is smiles, great. hiding sinister, violent intentions. That yeah, eyes without a face, you know? Yes, sense of unease. And we know that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre really influenced... Damien, not just because of his in-memory dedication, but also because he mentions it all the time. Mm -hmm. And he says that Killer Clowns from Outer Space did not influence this, but he likes it a lot. And that was one of his favorite things growing up. Right. After watching this movie, it, it dawned on me, obviously, clowns are a very popular source of horror. So there's the opera Pagliacci. I'm sure you're very familiar with it. Of course. There's the Joker, obviously, Batman's number yeah. one villain, and the man who laughs from 1928, you know? Yep. The Violator from Spawn. Uh, if any of you have read, uh, you know, Todd McFarlane's masterpiece and the clown that is his weird demon supervisor. And then we have the real-life serial killer clown. Oh, yeah. John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. You know, for his last meal, he had a bucket of KFC. That doesn't surprise me. Well, he was a manager of one once. And I think he just, oh, you know. Oh, so creepy. I know. I do heavily chastise the little boy in this film because like, yeah, kids are going to be kids. But like people who glorify serial killers and their lives and elevate them to a status in which they idolize them really creeps me out and like nauseates me. <laughs> It's horrible. Well, there's you know. there's this museum here in LA called the Museum of Death. And the name says it all. It examines death in many forms, but there's a serial killer exhibit in it. And it has some of John Wayne Gacy's original paintings in there. And it made me think like someone paid for this. Yeah, that's like extra morbid. It's very weird. Other fun exhibits, I, I say that not seriously. They have a recreation of the Heaven's Gate mass suicide with like mm. actual pairs of Nike Century shoes that they Weird. used or wore. 
it's odd. You know, it's, it's, it's there to fuel morbid curiosity, right? Like this is the same thing that fuels our love of slashers. Yeah. Actually, while I'm thinking of it, Mm. do you count Art the Clown as a zombie? No, I do not. Why not? No, I do not. I think to be a zombie, you must be a reanimated dead. And I think he starts his whole endeavor. Well, actually, I don't know, right? You don't know his backstory. I also think that being a zombie requires like a brainlessness. I mean, his brain got blown out at the end of Terrifier 1, and then he comes back to life. (laughs) Well, he does eat flesh, too. So That's true. He does eat flesh. But I think if we're talking like strict definition-wise, he's certainly closer to a ghoul than a zombie. Ooh. I only mention it because I know that Damien previously stated that his favorite subgenre of horror is zombies. Mm. Well, that shows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing is, God, that little girl, you know, the little girl, she shows up at the end of the first movie to resurrect him. I don't remember that. I didn't see that at all. There's like a light that flickers, but I didn't see it. Was it in the post credits? It could have been. I may be making this up. I don't think I am. You might be, because I only remember her coming up in Terrifier 2. The little girl. I I believe that that she shows up at the end of the first one when he's resurrected inside the morgue, right? That's where where he is? He's in the morgue. Yeah. Her whole thing, like that element of it, that there's some like evil cosmic entity at work that sustains him and keeps him going for whatever reason. That's actually closer to Spawn now that I mention it. (laughs) The woman who stars in All Hallows Eve is also the news reporter in the Terrifier movies, which is a little weird to me. Oh, really? Because like, you've already seen her in a different capacity. Interesting. Well, do you think are All Hallows Eve, are those shorts canon? There's so much that's repurposed in Terrifier 1 that I don't really think so. Otherwise, why would you represent the exact same stories that were in the shorts in (laughs) Terrifier 1 and 2. You know, it's kind of like Evil Dead 1 and 2, which are very much very similar (laughs) and and reuse a lot of the same stuff. I always forget, it's not a remake, but it is a sequel. You're asking the wrong person. I love Evil Dead, but I have not seen them anywhere close to recently. They also blend together heavily. And I've been watching Ash versus Evil Dead recently, like the TV show. So that's all I really remember right now. What a great show. Um, Um, So funny. So So good. good. There's a new Evil Dead coming out, right? There is. Yeah. I think this Evil Dead is, from what I've heard, is not supposed to be as slapsticky or... Ah, then what's the point? Ah, did you wait? There there was a remake of Evil Dead that was more of like a straight horror movie that came out. That's actually pretty good, I thought. It loses a lot of that like Sam Raimi playfulness to it, but I thought it was good. Going forward, what I'd like to see from Terrifier is more compact storytelling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like two hours and 15 minutes is a long time. (laughs) And there are things that like you can do effectively with much shorter scenes. Like the the dream sequence was not something that needed to go on that long. You can have an effective dream sequence and tell what you need to tell in much less time Mm -hmm. and cut down that runtime. You know, the stumbling around these sets, like, yeah, your sets are really cool. I understand that like you put a lot of time into it. You want to show it off, but like it feels like you're wasting time between your interesting shots because you're filling all this time with really boring shots. 
you know, so it is what it is, but it's weird. It's like rapid up and down of like, oh, this is cool. Oh my God, I'm so bored. Oh, this is cool. Oh my God, I'm so bored. And the writing is so bad and I can't wait for the next kill. Please let it come. Oh my God, thank God. Oh no, more bad writing and I can't stand this dialogue. Mm. (laughs) You know? Yes. I would recommend Terrifier 1 to you, but it is not a movie I would recommend willy-nilly. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, like I said, it's certainly not for everybody. And it's definitely something you want to watch kind of drunk with friends <laughs> to make it funnier and be able to fill in the slower parts with like making fun of it with your friends. Right. Though I will say that one of the funniest things in Terrifier 2 was the fact that as soon as I saw the boyfriend with a t-shirt that says just the tip, I'm like, oh, they're going to cut his dick off and make a just the tip joke, aren't they? And then they did. Yeah, that was good. And it was really funny. Yes, that was excellent. <laughs> very predictable, but very funny. <laughs> he deserved. Also, what a dick. What a terrible person. That was a satisfying death for me. 100%. Yes. <laughs> Ah, terrifier. Honestly, I wasn't too terrified. <laughs> but no. But the quality of the practical effects really pull this movie. That's forward. that's the reason to watch it is to kind of just say like, yeah, we recognize Damien as a really good practical effects artist who really likes horror and is very much knowledgeable on the horror movies that we would consider classics. And they very much influenced him. And he has a very notable set of skills that allow him to make really intense gore that are really cool. And he has a morbid sense of intrigue that appeals to freaks like us, Mm. where we go, yeah, I would love to see the Ripper murders recreated, but somehow even worse. Like, that's... (laughs) That's so good. That is a niche that needs to be filled. I just think we can do without all of the filler. Yes. Maybe storyboard the lore and where it's going before you start writing it. Sure. That would be my main takeaway here. But it's still fun. I'm in it for the gore. I'm excited to see what new gore we get. And I, I like hearing the inspiration behind it. Yeah, definitely. I don't have much else to say about Terrifier, to be quite honest. <laughs> like, there's so little happening. There's not much by way of character development <laughs> or or really characters at all. It's really just like meat sacks for art to go around cutting apart for our pleasure, which like more of that, please. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do we have any good reviews of this movie that we can read? Let's see. This one's titled Too Dumb to Live, Apparently. Do you ever watch a slasher film and the characters make so many dumb choices that you stop hoping they'll get out of it and hope they're just put out of their misery instead? Yeah, this movie's like that. (laughs) On Rotten Tomatoes, which has an 85% for Terrifier 2 from the critics, which is just like, wow. But I'm looking at the audience reviews and they're all five stars. Yeah. People love this shit. Oh, I mean, IMDb has like four and five out of 10, typically. Which is, I think, a fair thing. Like, I think it does a lot of good stuff really well and a lot of bad stuff really badly, and then it evens out. There are a lot of good names for these reviews. So, like watching Hide and Seek for 90 minutes. Tedious and a bit dull. Oh, no. (laughs) This film really needed a plot and characters and some people to root for. Well, I mean, those were essentially my major criticisms of the second one. I think the lack of those things in the first... And the fact I don't even really try to have those things is what makes it fun. 
and enjoyable. Yeah. I think the attempt yeah. at a bigger scope of storytelling, a mythology behind Art the Clown, that's where it gets tripped up. That's where it starts adding all this filler, to your point, mm -hmm. that overbloats the movie. And what we're really looking for is some stabby. That's... <laughs> yeah. Oh, somebody here has coined the term clowntergeist. Clowntergeist. Which is really mm. funny. I don't know if that was like something that they found elsewhere, but I've never heard of this. And I think that is a perfect way to describe art. But the general consensus from what I'm reading is that a lot of people agree with us where like Art the Clown is a very strong concept and an interesting killer, but the writing and the storylines are really, really painful to get through. And everything that's not just art killing people is hard to deal with. <laughs> I'm reading from Isaiah H. The movie was less of a horror with jump scares and surprises and more of a clown run around and mutilate people. To which I'd say, duh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no shit, Isaiah. And also like horror movie with jump scares and surprises. Is that any better? <laughs> like, I don't know. What a film. I will see the next one. Kind of in the same way that I didn't want to see Avatar 2, but I still did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, we oh, should do an episode on that and how horrible it was. <laughs> oh my Puss in Boots outperformed Avatar in theaters, which is really funny. Puss in Boots is a such a good fucking movie. I would see it <laughs> 10 times in a row. I, Damn. <laughs> I could not, if that movie, like I was saying, I've been, if that movie does not get a best picture nom, I'm going to kick somebody. And then someone goes, oh, well, it might get a best animated film nomination, which I think is a huge problem because that denotes that animated films can't be in the same fucking category as regular films but anyway i agree with Pussing you but boots. i just haven't seen any of the puss and boots uh, movies you don't so need like, to I and neither okay. have i and you okay. don't need to okay <laughs> i you can tell how jazzed i just fucking got by the mention of puss and boots that movie fuck all i, I know is that it. it has the guy who plays guillermo and what we do in the shadows and i kind of love that oh uh, also we have another review for terrifier that just says sort of gross <laughs> Just sort of? What is this person seen? <laughs> like, Apparently a lot. Yeah, I guess so. If if sort of is what you get out of Terrifier, my God. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could read other languages. Otherwise, there, there might be some real gems in here. Ooh, Terrifier 2 is the slasher of the year. Wow. I couldn't really name any other slashers that came out this year. Pearl came out, if you want to count that a slasher. Ooh, well, I loved X. I didn't see Pearl. That's the only other like slasher I can think of that I know of this year. Right. I found three Terrifier 2 reviews in a row that are really funny if you read them together. Go ahead. Brilliant gore and obnoxiously long. And then exhausting to watch, <laughs> which is very true. It was exhausting. And then... The hype is fake. Terrified, not at all. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I do agree with that, you know? Yeah, no, I get it. Also, somebody also agrees that they ruined Art the Clown. And, like, I do think that giving him more of a background does kind of take away and detract from, like, the effective parts of the character. You've already made it. You're already entrenched. Now you just got to think about it and wrap it up, right? Yeah, I mean, I've said this many times before, but I think in horror, over-explanation of things 
kind of sucks the fun out of it. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, it happens though. It's a very Hollywood thing. Like when It Follows came out, the first reaction to it was like, oh, why didn't they figure out how this happened? And for me, it's like when you're in the midst of some horrifying nightmare, do you ever figure out what's happening isn't kind of the unease and discomfort of it, the fact that it's happening to you and there's nothing you can do. And even when you know you're sleeping and dreaming and trying to wake up, you can't. And it completely defies all the logic you thought would work. When you psychoanalyze your sleep paralysis demon so hard that they just leave you alone. That it literally turns into my mom (laughs) yelling at me. (laughs) We're back to mommy issues. We're back. (laughs) It comes full circle. (laughs) It all comes back to mommy issues. (laughs) Moms. Without them, we would have no horror movies. (laughs) Thanks, mom. If you're listening. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing in the pain and the delight of this series. Likewise. It's, it's been a joy speaking to you of Terrifier, but I will say I'm glad to talk about something else next. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. I am excited to do Night of the Hunter. Yeah. hundred percent. kind of next on our radar. Yes. So we'll, we'll go back to a little bit more of an older, an older time period. <laughs> Absolutely. Something Slow with a burn. bit more gravita, depth, thought, <laughs> anything. <laughs> Calculation, manipulation, subtlety. Right. Exactly. (laughs) The exact opposite of Terrifier. (laughs) Right. Balance it out. Thanks for joining us uh, talking about Art the Clown. We're very excited to hear what you guys thought about Terrifier 2 and whether you're one of the people that threw up in theaters. And if you were one of those people, there's no shame at all. Absolutely not. We love you either way. (laughs) Have a good one. Catch you next time. Infinite Horrors Magazine is a full-color, ad-free print magazine from the creators of Infinite Worlds. You can get your signed and hand-numbered direct edition copy of Infinite Horrors Number 1 plus Infinite Horrors merch at infinitehorrorsmagazine.com. You can also get the newsstand edition at exaltedfuneral.com. Be sure to check out the Infinite Worlds podcast, as well as the Infinite Worlds magazines. Find us on social media at Infinite Horrors Magazine or Infinite Worlds Magazine. Also, feel free to visit infinitehorrorsmagazine.com or infiniteworldsmagazine.com. And you can follow me online on Instagram at heavy underscore metal underscore fruit. And you can follow me on Instagram at horrorsamw. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.